it's a new day. Hear his word, let us pray. The sunrise morning show. A way to start your day. It is Wednesday, the 24th of January, the feast of St. Francis de Sales. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for all bishops and pastors. Grant them the gifts of discernment and charity in all their decisions. We pray for all spiritual directors. Grant them the insight to put their wisdom at the service of true Christian life. We pray for all religious communities that draw their inspiration from St. Francis de Sales. Grant them a fervent life of prayer and good works for the sake of your kingdom. O God of justice and of mercy, you guided St. Francis de Sales in spreading the faith and counseling the faithful in times of uncertainty and controversy. Through his intercession, may we ever seek the peace of your kingdom for all people. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Francis de Sales, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN. We get a little excited about St. Francis de Sales around here because he's patron of a lot of things. Uh, including Catholic media, and that's kind of what we do here. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has a video feed up and running. You can check it out in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. There's always a lively chat going on in the video stream. Dr. John Bergsman will be along with more thoughts on, uh, well, in this case, he's going to be in the book of Ephesians, but he's talking uh, more about the bride and bridegroom relationship between Christ and his church and how that uh, is all reflected in the mystical realm. Father Rob Jack is going to uh, share uh, what St. Francis de Sales had to say as an apologist during the Reformation. You may not realize this, but it was a dicey time not just to live when St. Francis lived, but to live specifically where he lived. Uh, Gary Zimak will look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a verse that some of you have memorized, and reflect on that and how it calls us to trust in God. And uh, Amy Wellborn will join us at the end of the hour with more stuff on St. Francis de Sales related to his advice uh, on New Year's resolutions. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Former President Trump is the winner of the Republican New Hampshire primary. Trump defeated former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley yesterday. While she made clear she will remain on the campaign trail, New Hampshire also held a Democratic primary yesterday, but it was not recognized by the National Party. Pundits say Nikki Haley has to have a respectable finish in the South Carolina Republican primary on February 24th to have any shot. Christians in Iraq are in the midst of a fast for peace in the Middle East. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tullock reports. The three-day fast held every year in the run-up to Lent is known by the ancient Syriac Christian communities in the Middle East as the Petition of the Ninevites. This year, most Syriac Christians are observing the fast from Monday the 22nd of January to Wednesday the 24th. Patriarch Louis Raphael Sacco, the head of Iraq's Chaldean Church, is calling on the faithful to offer up the fast to God for peace and stability in Iraq, the Holy Land, Ukraine and the world. The Patriarch, who was created a cardinal by Pope Francis in 2018, has called on believers to, quote, fervently pray to God Almighty to inspire world leaders to seek peace and not war, and to achieve fruitful progress towards reconciliation, fraternal relations, love and tolerance for the good of humanity, end quote. The so-called Nineveh fast marks the three days that the prophet Jonah spent in the belly of a whale. 
It's also a commemoration of the fasting in the city of Nineveh after its inhabitants had accepted Jonah's call to repentance. Many Syriac Christians abstain from all food and drink from midnight to noon on each of the three days. Others avoid meat or animal products for the entirety of the period or do not eat at all. This is not the first time that Patriarch Sacco has led prayers for peace in the Middle East. In October, during the General Assembly of the Synod on Synodality, the Patriarch led a peace prayer in St. Peter's Basilica in the Vatican. Together with Sister Caroline Jarjis, a nun from Baghdad, the Patriarch prayed the Rosary in Aramaic, the language of Jesus, once spoken throughout the entire Middle East. <laughs> The new year has brought with it renewed struggles for Iraq's Christians. Patriarch Sacco hopes that these days of prayer, fasting and repentance might offer his community the beginnings of a way out. I'm Joseph Tullock. The White House says discussions over a ceasefire in Israel are, quote, sober and serious. Israel says it gave Hamas a proposal, including up to two months of a pause in fighting as part of a deal that includes the release of all hostages in Gaza. National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby did not comment on that report, but said the serious discussions about a hostage deal are happening. He said getting hostages out is the priority. Kirby added that the U.S. would support a humanitarian pause on the war despite vetoing a ceasefire earlier. At least 18 people have died and more than 130 were wounded after a wave of Russian airstrikes in Ukraine yesterday, 700 days after the Russian invasion began. The attacks targeted more than 200 sites in Ukraine's capital, Kyiv, and in the second largest city, Kharkiv. Nearly 140 homes were hit. The Turkish parliament is approving Sweden's bid to join NATO. Mark Mayfield reports. On Tuesday, the parliament voted to approve Sweden's accession, making Hungary the only country that has yet to accept Sweden into the alliance. Officials with the Swedish prime minister's office said they were very happy with the decision that brought them one step closer to becoming a full member of NATO. Some members of Hungary's parliament have accused Sweden of lying about the current state of Hungarian democracy. The prime minister of Hungary has reached out to Sweden's PM to discuss possible ratification. I'm Mark Mayfield. Funeral arrangements are pending as the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau mourns the death of their shepherd. Bishop Mario Dorsonville died Friday due to ongoing health complications related to liver disease, which was discovered late last year. He was 62 years old. The mass of Christian burial will likely take place at the end of the month, according to the diocese. And the Bishop of Honolulu has celebrated a Mass to conclude the diocesan phase of the cause for the beatification and canonization of Joseph Dutton, who worked with St. Damien of Molokai. The cause now gets sent to Rome for further investigation. In his homily at the Mass, Bishop Larry Silva said, quote, For 44 years, he who could have decided to leave at any time stayed to minister to the most vulnerable so that they would change course from a path of desperation and despair to a path of hope and joy. His simple service, he said, would announce to many the gospel of liberation and freedom, even as they remained confined. Do you know much about Dutton's story? It's pretty incredible. And I'm sorry that I I'm sorry I didn't have this story yesterday on the feast of Marianne Cope. Um, that would have been pretty cool. But Hawaii's just like getting loaded up with saints. I know, right? It's like uh, Maryland and Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. 
in Hawaii. But Dutton, he had kind of a wayward life for a while, is that right? Yeah, he was a Civil War veteran. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was raised Baptist. Uh, He was married, divorced, was an alcoholic. He uh, had a conversion, spent some time at the Abbey of Gethsemane in Kentucky, and then ended up, uh, I'm shortening the story vastly, ended up in Molokai with (laughs) Father Damien. So I bet you that Dr. Matthew Bunsen could tell you a couple things about Joseph Dutton. Well, that is a challenge that I will take up. But we got to talk to Dr. Matthew Bunsen about St. Francis de Sales today. It's a doctor of the church feast day, so we got that. So end of next hour, folks, if you want to hear. We got a lot about St. Francis de Sales today. Oh, yes. Patron saint of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, in addition to Catholic media. So... Of course, here on the Sunrise Morning Show, we are big on St. Francis de Sales. Right now, it's eight past. Dr. John Berksma back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's author of Love Basics for Catholics. Good morning, Doc. Good morning, Anna. So we are continuing to unpack St. Paul's teaching on marriage and the church in the letter to the Ephesians. Now, to start off today, Doc, just remind us how the church is both the body of Christ and a temple. Yes, you see both languages being used in Ephesians, and and Paul will mix them up. He'll say things like, you know, a temple that grows or a body that's built, you know, Mm -hmm. and he'll mix the metaphors back and forth. Um, And this is a beautiful theme that runs all through Scripture Going all the way back to uh, Adam, you know, whose who's rib, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show. But yeah, I wanted to ask about this. This is fascinating. Yes, yes. The, the word used for Adam's rib is, is really an architectural term, like, uh, like you would call it a stud in, uh, in contracting, you know, a two-by-four that you put up to brace, you know. That's the kind of word that's used for rib back there. Oh, and, wow. And it's almost only ever used uh, when talking about building the temple in the Old Testament. But it points to Adam's body being an original temple, so his body was... Because the Holy Spirit breathed into Adam's nostrils, right? So Jesus is new Adam, you got all that going on there. John 2.21, he spoke of the temple of his body, and then we're the body, because we eat his body through the Eucharist, you know. You could see that you could just walk around this mystery and view it from all these different perspectives, but uh, the Church is closely united to Christ uh, in, in a marital covenant, and we are His body, we're, we're, we, we share His nature, and so Paul goes back and forth between temple and body uh, when talking about the Church and Jesus' relationship to it. Now then, what are the implications for us as members of this Church, which is both body and temple? Well, one of the implications that St. Paul draws out is that every one of us is important in Ephesians 4, and each of us needs to do our part within the body. And this is something he emphasizes elsewhere in uh, his epistles, like in Corinthians, where he says, you know, the hand cannot say to the eye, I have no need of you, and and uh, things of that nature. But every one of us has a place within the body of Christ, and we may be a ligament, we may be a muscle, we may be a bicep, uh, whatever it might be, 
but we have to do our part. You know, it's kind of one of those uh, weakest link kinds of uh, things. You know, when you go to the gym, all of your muscle groups may be working fine when you're trying to do that pull-up, but if you got, you know, one weak muscle that uh, that tears, it can it can bring the whole process down. And so, you know, we need to cooperate within the one body of Christ. And then within that, of course, uh, Christian spouses have a particularly special role because we have an iconic um, role to play in exemplifying that marital relationship between Jesus and his church. Absolutely. And I want to spend a whole separate segment talking about that particular part um, in Ephesians 5, because obviously we know there's a lot of confusion over what St. Paul is actually saying there. But let's lay the groundwork for that next discussion that we'll have on that. Um, I'm first of all going to read what you were just mentioning here in in Ephesians 4, where uh, he's talking about how we need to have it talks about the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed back and forth and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the cunning of men by their craftiness and deceitful wiles rather speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every joint with which it is supplied, when each part is working properly, makes bodily growth and upbuilds itself in love. Now, the reason I read that is to ask how that then plays into what we'll talk about the next time. And this idea of of subordination, wives be subordinate to your husbands, um, is the controversial phrase, right, Dr. Bergsma? But yeah. how are we meant to be subordinate, or maybe you can give us a better translation of what St. Paul is saying there, um, to each other as, as Christians. Yes, this is a general virtue, this virtue of placing yourself under. In Greek, it's a word, hupotasomai. Don't expect anybody to remember that. Hup- Hypotosomai, uh, <laughs> not hippopotamus. Hypotosomai. That's right. It means it means to place yourself under another one, another person. It means to defer to them. You know, to to allow them to go first. For example, and and in some cases, um, Anna, it even has a sense of self entrustment. You know, I entrust myself to another person, and that's especially how. It, uh, it, it comes out later when we'll talk about that marital relationship. But I think before we get into talking about wives entrusting themselves to their husbands or subordinating themselves, as it's often translated, we have to recognize that this is a general virtue. It's not just like only women are called to do this. It's like every Christian believer is called to subordinate themselves to other believers. That is to say, look, look to others' interests before your own. Practice what John Paul II calls, you know, the the, uh, the mystery of the self-gift, you know, that is to say, give oneself away, uh, put others' interests before uh, one one's own, and, and learn how, by giving ourselves away, we really 
emulate God, because this is one of the unique things about our faith, that in the Catholic faith we come to understand that God is not this monarch ruling and dictating over the world, although, yes, he is, has all authority, but primarily God is one who gives himself away. The Father gives himself to the Son, the Son gives himself back to the Father, and the self that they exchange is the Holy Spirit. So when we learn to lay down our lives, we're becoming godlike. That is an amazing message of the Christian faith. Yeah, that really is. So, to be continued. Thank you so much, Dr. John Berksma. You can find Love Basics for Catholics linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Headlines up next. It's 16 past. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Have you subscribed to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes? When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. Catholic Influencers is a great podcast from Australia. It studies the weekly readings and breaks them down into layman's terms, showing you how they're relevant to our life today, making theology accessible for everyone. You can hear Catholic Influencers as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates around the world, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTN.com slash radio and click Podcast Central today. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Donald Trump is the winner of the Republican New Hampshire primary. His opponent, Nikki Haley, says she will not be exiting the race. Christians in Iraq are now in the midst of what's known as the Nineveh Fast for Peace in the Middle East. And Pope Francis has written the preface for the first in a series of short books on prayer that the Vatican will be releasing monthly in this year a prayer ahead of the 2025 jubilee news at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the sunrise morning show plus all kinds of crazy cool insights that uh insight from dr bergsma about adam's rib not actually be best translated rib but more like side or structural term. Yeah, i mean like I know, these are the kind man. of things that nuggets that you get through the day mm-hmm. um so we're going to talk more about saint francis of sales well, a lot more as the morning continues. Yes. Uh, and, of course, we mentioned he's patron of Catholic media, uh, patron of spiritual directors as well, uh, who could use a lot of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a that's a dicey 
kind of vocation. Um, but he is also, and you mentioned this as well, one of the patrons of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Principal uh, patron, I believe. He may be. I know Albert the Great and Robert Bellarmine are in there too for Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. But you want to know where else St. Francis de Sales is patron of? Where? How about uh, Baker, Oregon, the Diocese of Baker? Nice. How about uh, Diocese of Oakland, California? Cool. Really? Diocese of Oakland, Wil- yep. California? Wow. O-Town. Nice. Diocese of Wilmington, Delaware. Sweet. Diocese of Huma Thibodeau, Louisiana. Huma Thibodeau. Huma Thibodeau. Carlo Praying for you all. Praying for you all this morning. For sure. Patron of Columbus, Ohio. That makes sense. Yes. Because and then of course, an auxiliary bishop of Cincinnati became the first bishop of Columbus. That so. does make sense. Yeah. And then patron of the diocese of Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, nice. So, well, that's good patronages. Buona festa, everybody. St. Francis de Sales, pray, pray for, for us. us. Cooperate. Think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Have you subscribed to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes? When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. The Baltimore Catechism asks, what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? The gifts of the Holy Spirit are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. When we think about gifts, we should not primarily think of those things which we can touch or see or taste or feel, but the particular gifts, the gifts that really matter, those are the ones that affect our souls. He knows how much better what I need than I do. And so he says, you're asking for a rock and I will give you bread. You are asking for a scorpion and here I give you a fish. You are asking for what will hurt you, what will harm you. Behold, I give you the gifts of piety, knowledge, understanding, fortitude, counsel, and fear of the Lord. Let us thank the Holy Spirit and ask him to increase those gifts in our lives so that we may truly appreciate how God gives himself to us and how we might give ourselves to him. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Rob Jack. Those of you who listen to Sacred Heart Radio, which produces the Sunrise Morning Show, perhaps catch Father Rob in the afternoons on Driving Home the Faith. Father Rob, good morning. Morning, Matt. So on this Feast of St. Francis de Sales, there are a lot of different aspects of his life that we could talk about. Uh, But I like to joke around that if you ever meet a, a Catholic named Wes or Calvin, they're probably a convert. If you ever meet a lady named Geneva, she's definitely a convert, too. (laughs) I understand. Uh, Because uh, if you look at the life of St. Francis de Sales and what was going on in Geneva, you talk about having to have your apologetics chops down. I mean, this is something that was a big deal for him, right? 
Well, it was dangerous. I mean, because of this time, Catholics were marked people, and he was named provost of the cathedral chapter of Geneva, which means he was like head of basically the community of the priests that would do things in the cathedral. Well, he couldn't get to the cathedral because Geneva at this time had become a theocracy under John Calvin. And in the process of this, Francis had the great desire to correct the errors that many of them had. And so he tried various and sundry ways. The man was a very creative man, and he would never—he had an assumption on people that a lot of people didn't have, and that is, one, they could grow in their faith, they could pray uh, in a mental way, they could— actually understand parts of their faith. And so he came at, he came to the people in a reasoned way. He didn't come patronizing, saying, let me show you this. He came to kind of do what they called back then, which was to carry out controversies, which was basically a debate between the two. And it's, it's interesting, you know, Francis quickly set out to bring those believers back. So he would offer public talks and debates in the hope that showing them their errors uh, they could come back. No one was showing up, surprise, surprise, because it was seen at Geneva at this time as illegal to have a Catholic discussion. So not to be in any way uh, taken away from it, he began to write pamphlets, and he began to have them printed because, of course, by this time the printing press was up and running. And he would take these issues, usually regarding church teaching and authority, and he would print them out, and he would slip them under doors. And in the process of this, what would happen? The people would read these tracts on the faith, and they would come back to the faith. So much were they successful that the Calvinists outlawed his his tracts, and they actually sent assassins to try to kill the man. Yeah, it's it's hard to kind of like imagine— the gravity of what you're saying. I mean, you might sort of think about this as, as like a general persecution during a Reformation time, but it's important to know that Geneva was where John Calvin set up camp. Geneva was like the Calvinist Vatican. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. This is like, this is ground zero for the Reformation. Uh, we often think of Luther and Germany, but Geneva and Calvin, uh, for Francis to, to uh, not only persevere, but to be successful there is saying something. Well, it is, and Geneva was far more dangerous than Luther, because Luther, who was a Catholic at one time, still had shades of Catholicism. Calvin had fallen into this terrible uh, doctrine of double predestination, which basically argues that from the moment you're born, you're going to heaven or hell. Nothing you can do can change that. You're double predestined. And, and that terrified Francis, and so he went to the Church's teaching and understanding, and he decided he was going to do his best to rid people of this terrible heresy. So uh, St. Francis of Sales is often attributed to the quote, and I've never found a source where he officially said it, so uh, I just know it's associated with him, which is that uh, you can attract more flies with a spoonful of honey than a barrel full of vinegar. <laughs> That's right. Well, and, you know, he was a Frenchman, and he knew he knew the art of persuasion. He was taught rhetoric. And in the process, he used it. If you read his writings, his writings are full of those things. You know, when we talk about, for instance, his book, The Introduction to the Devout Life, he speaks of our prayer as a garden. We walk through the garden, and we see how the bees pollinate, and we get the sweetness of the honey. And so he came up with a devotional practice called the Daily Nosegay, where you would 
actually think about in your prayers. If you had a Bible, you would st- you would take a verse and you would carry that verse with you throughout the day, kind of like you know the people who would have a, a flower in their lapel. And because things didn't smell so good back then, they take a good whiff of the flowers they're walking through. And he said, take this this physical thing and now tie it in with your spiritual life. So when things get rough or confused, take that scripture verse that you have and give it a good sniff. <laughs> and it'll bring you back to hope and keep you in the right direction. Well, one of the reasons, uh, one of the major reasons for the Reformation, why everything fell apart, is mistrust in church authorities, and suddenly people are flitting about and heading to the authority of a Calvin, or the authority of a Luther, or authority of a Huss, or a Minno Simons, or, or, or all these all these reformers are coming and saying, I've got the authority, I've got the authoritative interpretation of the scriptures, uh, because the authority you've been serving in the Catholic Church is corrupt and has lost its way. Um, what would be something that St. Francis could say to us to help us uh, let people know that there may be crazy times in the church, but don't go chasing these other voices. Stick with the authority that comes through the successor of Peter. Well, the successor of Peter, which then ties us in intimately with the apostolic tradition, that from the very time of Pentecost, of course, the Lord has entrusted us with the Holy Spirit, and he has given us a structure in which we can decide Uh, through the power of God, what is the truth and what isn't. And we can discern that through councils. We can discern that, again, through those who are our ordained teachers. And in the process of this, they can reason us through these things and lead us with revelation to come to a full understanding of the truth with which we really cannot have uh, dispute. And that's the process God even used to put sacred scripture all in one book for us so the holy spirit is at work in that even if it's a mess sometimes father rob jack from driving home the faith priest of the archdiocese of cincinnati under the patronage of francis de sales have a wonderful day thank you matt it is half past the hour here's anna mitchell with news Good morning. Former President Donald Trump is the winner of the Republican New Hampshire primary. Trump defeated former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley yesterday. Haley said she is not dropping out of the race for the White House. She told her supporters her race for the Republican nomination is far from over, adding that there are dozens of states left and she challenged Trump to a debate. Pundits say she needs a respectable finish in her native South Carolina next month to have any shot at the nomination at this point. New Hampshire also did hold a Democratic primary yesterday, but it was not recognized by the National Party. The Israel-Hamas war continues as the four-month mark draws nearer. Mark Mayfield reports. Israeli officials said Monday was the deadliest day for the country's military in Gaza, with two dozen soldiers being killed. This comes as Israel pushes for a two-month pause in fighting in exchange for the remaining hostages being held by Hamas. Meanwhile, Palestinian health officials say more than 25,400 people have been killed in Gaza since the start of the war. The United Nations has warned that over a half a million people are under the threat of catastrophic hunger in Gaza. I'm Mark Mayfield. At least 18 people are dead and more than 130 wounded after a wave of Russian airstrikes in Ukraine yesterday, 700 days after Russia's invasion began. The attacks targeted more than 200 sites in Ukraine's capital, Kyiv, and its second largest city, Kharkiv, nearly 140 homes were hit. Pope Francis has written the preface for the first of a series of short books on prayer that the Vatican will be releasing in this year of prayer ahead of the 2025 Jubilee. 
From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlot reports. Prayer is the breath of faith. It is its most proper expression, writes Pope Francis, as he introduces Cardinal Angelo Comastri's new book, Praying Today, A Challenge to Be Overcome. It is not easy to find words to express the mystery of prayer. It can only ever be described in the simplicity of those who live it. The ordinary jubilee of 2025 is just around the corner, continues the Pope in his preface, noting that the best way to prepare for the year is in fact through prayer. Nowadays, the need for a true spirituality is becoming stronger and stronger, says the Pope, highlighting some of the scenarios that make our world somewhat less serene, such as wars and the climate crisis. Pope Francis then highlights the importance of each initiative of every church. This year should not undermine pastoral initiatives, but rather it should recall the foundation on which the various pastoral plans should develop and find consistency. It is a time in which both personally and as a community, one can rediscover the joy of praying in the variety of forms and expressions it comes in, writes the Pope. The Holy Father's next invitation is one to humility, making room for the prayer that flows from the Holy Spirit, as it is He who knows how to put the right words in our hearts and on our lips to be heard by the Father. As his preface comes to an end, Pope Francis prays for bishops, priests, deacons and catechists, assuring them of his certainty that they will find in this year the most suitable ways to place prayer at the basis of the proclamation of hope that the Jubilee 2025 intends to make resound in this troubled time. Finally, Pope Francis extends his invitation to all, praying that personal and community prayer become unceasing, without interruption, according to the will of the Lord Jesus, so that the kingdom of God may spread and the gospel reach every person who asks for love and forgiveness. I am Francesca Merlo. Roman Catholics in Indonesia will observe the beginning of Lent at least a day late this year. UCA News reports the country's dioceses are deferring the commemoration of Ash Wednesday because it is the national election day in the Muslim-majority nation. In the Archdiocese of Jakarta, it will be observed the next day, February 15th, but more remote mission churches can choose to defer it until the first Sunday of Lent that weekend. The Los Angeles Times is announcing mass layoffs as it cuts about a quarter of its staff. Brian Shook reports. California's largest daily paper is laying off 115 people from its newsroom. The cuts were anticipated. Unionized journalists staged a one-day work stoppage last week to protest the layoffs. The L.A. Times is owned by Dr. Patrick Soon Chiang. He says the paper is losing between 30 and 40 million dollars each year. Employment firm Challenger Gray and Christmas estimates that more than 2,600 news jobs were lost in recent months. I'm Brian Shook. Funeral arrangements are pending as the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau mourns the death of their bishop, Mario Dorsonville, who died Friday at age 62. That's the news. It's 35 past the Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah 
at sacredheartradio.com. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. It is a difficult thing to have an exact idea of one's goal. But it is likewise true that all of us must perfectly pinpoint the virtue we are aiming to acquire. However, if we cannot do this, we must not lose courage or get upset. We must get as close to the goal as possible, because even the saints did not succeed in doing any more than that. Only our Lord and the Virgin Most Holy fully succeeded. Never believe the praises of people. At the very best, what they say is flattery, even if they do not recognize it as such. For Sacred Heart Radio, I am Father Chris Armstrong. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday, the 24th of January. I'm Matt Swaim, joined by Gary Zimak from followingthetruth.com. He's written a number of books on how Scripture can help us refocus if we're struggling with anxiety and worry. Gary, good morning. Good morning, Matt. I want to give people a heads up. We've been talking about how soon Lent is coming up. That means that here in a couple weeks we're going to be talking about giving up worry for Lent yet again. It's an annual tradition around here for us. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. I'm glad to be a part of it. The book that I wrote, Give Up Worry for Lent, once again, it is uh, it is heading up uh, the bestseller charts over on Amazon. It's cracked the top 20 in the Easter category already. So I just want to put the word out. Yeah, we're going to be talking about it each week in a few weeks, each day, each week that I'm on in just a few weeks. But now would be a good time to pick up a copy of Give Up, Worry for Lent, because as you know, Matt, it is sold out for yeah. several of the Lents, you know, we've been uh, discussing it. So now would be a good time to pick up a copy of Give Up, Worry for Lent, and let's do it. 2024. Yeah, usually if you don't get on that pretty quick before Lent, when Lent hits, uh, yeah. Am- Amazon Prime cannot help you. <laughs> so, exactly. But exactly. I can tell you this, uh, knowing the kind of 2024 that a lot of us have had already just a few weeks into January, I think that this is going to be a very a very helpful, uh, fruitful spiritual practice, giving up worry for Lent this year. That's, uh, that's my take on it. Um, huh. But today... We get to talk about yeah. a verse that I bet you some of our listeners have memorized from Proverbs. Share it with us. Yeah, Matt, this is such a popular verse, but I think it's one that there's, there's so much profound wisdom in, and, and I thought it's worth sharing today. It's Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own insight. You know, I think so often when we hear the word trust, we assume that it's a feeling. But trust isn't a feeling. Trust is a decision. And this is such good advice. It is possible for us to place our trust in the Lord, whether we feel it or not, whether we're scared to death or not. We can choose to trust in the Lord with all our heart 
and do not rely on our own insights. So many times I want to do things the way I want to do them, or if I'm in a difficult situation, I begin to panic and just want to run away from it, forgetting that the Lord is completely in control of my life. And if he's allowing something to happen that's unpleasant to me, he intends to bring good out of it. And if I just trust him and go along with him and look for opportunities to either learn from the situation or to serve him or praise him in the middle of the storm, whatever the case may be, things are going to go a lot better for me, and I'm going to be able to feel that peace that he wants me to feel. But it all goes down, it all comes down to a choice. I either have to trust in the Lord or not. So I don't know if I've mentioned this to you before. Uh, A lot of Protestants have what they call a life verse. Some Catholics have these too, right? Where you pick right. one verse and that's this is like your anchor, right? This is going to be the verse that you're going to just come back to over and over again. And it's going to hit you at different ways in different times of, of your life. Uh, Marcus Grodi has shared in a number of places that this is his life verse. Uh, wow. And it was a verse that became particularly meaningful to him when he was a Presbyterian pastor feeling called towards the Catholic Church knowing that he was going to have to give up his job (laughs) and uh, disappoint a lot of people and confuse a lot of friends and family. He kept on coming back to this verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. And then there's verse 6 of this, uh, which completes the thought, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Uh, That was his, he said over and over that, that for, not just for that moment when he knew he had to make that decision that was going to change everything, but every day since, that's been an anchor for him. And I know that a lot of us uh, can say similar similar things about that verse and have uh, a testimony that ties us back to that idea of trusting in the Lord and realizing that it is not good when we lean on our own understanding alone. Exactly. You know, and as I look back over, over the course of my full-time ministry— um, which began in 2012, I mean, quite a while Good ago. Grief. Yeah, believe it or Has not. It been that long? That's crazy. To, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, you know, I was in the software industry for 30 years and a job layoff, and coupled with the desire to somehow work for the Lord, and that job layoff was just the, the thing that I needed to really give me the push out of the boat. Uh, you, know, you know, I have been following him. I've been trying my best to follow him. I've, I've panicked at times, but... He has taken me to places that I could have never imagined, and I've been, I've been able to experience peace and happiness that I couldn't have imagined either. Did he use some unconventional ways and circumstances? Yeah, absolutely. There have been times when I thought, man, he is, what the heck is he doing? This is nuts. But it's all a matter of choosing to trust him, because he knows what's best for me, even more so than, than I do. So he will lead our steps. He will guide us. He will take us down a path. But, you know, a lot of times the paths he takes us down seem confusing, or it doesn't seem like we're getting anywhere. It doesn't seem like we're following his will. But if we choose to trust him, we are going to be much better off. And, and Matt, I have to say, I've been certainly more peaceful in the past 10 years than I've been in uh, decades before that. So the Lord really has helped me. But the the key is to, to choose to trust him. And you know what, Matt? Every time we are called to trust. We're in a situation where we're scared, we're uncertain, because that's what trust is. If I was completely certain and unafraid, then there's no trust required. If, 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 he, if he, the Lord wants us to trust Him, 
And it, for those of us like me who have a problem with that, who struggle with that, in order to grow that trust, he has to put me in situations which are frightening, which are uncertain, to give me a chance to trust in him. And I have to say, every time I've chosen to do so, to place my trust in him, he's never let me down. Well, Gary, I, I just want to give people a peek behind the curtain in the planning of these segments, to be honest. Uh, when I saw that this was the verse for today, I got a mm. little bit confused. Um, I wasn't sure exactly uh, what was going on and, and what verse you were pitching, because as far back as I can remember, this verse has been your email signature. <laughs> yes, you're exactly right. So I was like, ah, is this the verse? Is it, what? What's going on? Is this a misprint? Is this a duplicate? I mean, this is a, this is a verse that you've been leaning on and uh, putting out there for a while. Yeah, and and you know I, I pray about these verses. You and I, we you know we we emailed before the segments a few days before. I pray about it. I ask the Lord what to do, and uh, you know I was paging through my book. Stop worrying and start living. This is how I do it sometimes. And the daily verse for today is this verse. And I thought first, my first thought was, well, this is too common. We've talked about this before. Everybody knows this. But there's so much insight in here. I thought, no, this is this is perfect. This is perfect for us to talk about today. Good stuff. Yeah, I, I was checking back. Uh, I, at least as far back as 2012, <laughs> you've been using this as an email signature. And, yeah, you know, it's the kind right. of thing that's worth, you know, writing on a 3 by 5 card and putting on your mirror or, you know, just committing to memory. Um, it's not that hard. You know, you're looking at just a handful of words, a couple of different phrases, and committing some of this stuff to memory can be extremely helpful. Uh, like I say, I have this memorized in the 1984 edition of the New International Version. So whenever somebody reads it wrong, in my mind, right, reads <laughs> <There's> another <laughs> yeah. translation, I'm like, hey, that should be uh, that should be a different word there. But it's worth memorizing things, these things, so they can come back to you in those moments. Uh, and I wish I could remember them better <laughs> than I do. But Gary Zimek, if our listeners want to connect with you and read more of uh, the things that you've written on these and other topics, how do they do so? Matt, the best place is to go right to my website, followingthetruth.com. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. And uh, remember, we're going to be giving up worry for Lent here in just a few weeks. So uh, pick up a copy of Gary's book regarding that as well. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Matt. Take care. All right, it is 14 till. Amy Wellborn joins us to talk about St. Francis de Sales on New Year's resolutions next. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. It's always harder to get out of bed when it's cold outside. So... 
Give yourself something to look forward to, like Mystic Monk Coffee for the first cup of the day. You can find a link to Mystic Monk Coffee at our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, and we earn a commission on anything you buy through that link. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug, which you can buy through our online store. Check out the mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Hi friends, Janet Williams here. Join me every Wednesday on Women of Grace Live as I welcome new age researcher and blogger for Women of Grace, Sue Brinkman. Sue and I will be talking about all the wacky things that could distract you from your faith. Psychics, yoga, Reiki, crystals, acupuncture, Ouija boards, tarot cards, and astral traveling are just a few of the stranger things we discuss. That's why we call it Wacky Wednesday. So join us at 11 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Later today on Catholic Answers Live, give us a call. Get your questions answered about the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 12 Till, here's Anna with headlines. Former President Trump is the winner of yesterday's Republican New Hampshire primary. His challenger, Nikki Haley, says she will not drop out of the race. As the Israel-Hamas war nears the four-month mark, Christians in Iraq are in the midst of a fast for peace in the Middle East. And Pope Francis has written the preface for the first of a series of short books on prayer that the Vatican will be releasing in this year of prayer ahead of the 2025 Jubilee. Next newscast coming up at the top of the hour. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday, January 24th. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Amy Wellborn. You can check out her blog, podcast, Substack, all kinds of things at amywellborn.com. Amy, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Doing well. Uh, it seems that we are just plugging on through the brand new year. Uh, Aren't we? I feel like yeah. I just blinked and it's, we're, we're just chugging right along. Uh, where has the time gone? Mm-hmm. But this crisis of, of understanding, like, what are we supposed to do with this new thing, this new year that's been given to us, um, and wondering what to do about that. Uh, it's nice to know that saints have thought about this, too, and you've been digging into St. Francis de Sales and St. Jane de Chantal and their conversations about it. What what did you discover? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're often here today, people say, you know, we hear two things. Either it's the new year is a great, important moment to turn your life around, or, oh, you know, it's just a number. What does it matter, right, Um, from one day to the next? So it was interesting to me to find these great spiritual teachers, St. Francis de Sales and St. Jane de Chantal, actually taking the new year seriously. Um, They, you know, if we, um, if you're interested in their writings, they're available online at lots of letters and conferences. Of course, Francis de Sales wrote many books, uh, Introduction to the Devout Life, which is a mainstay of many spiritual development even today. But um, they, you know, wrote letters to each other. They wrote to other correspondents, St. Jane de Chantal in particular, who, as the founder of her religious order, the Visitation, um, wrote to her sisters and those under her charge. And So she actually, St. Jane de Chantal, actually approved making New Year's resolutions. She wrote, We must make strong and absolute resolutions that if our Lord gives us the coming year, we will make better use of it than of those that are past. Let us walk with a new step in His divine service and to our perfection. 
Now then, let us begin the year in the name of our Lord, but with efficacious resolutions of beginning to serve him faithfully according to our small power. For he wants only what we can do, but that he, but that he does want. Let us be careful to give it to him, doing good, then hoping and confiding in his infinite mercy. And this is, you know, even those simple words really express so much of what St. Jane de Chantal kind of consistently says in her spiritual advice, which is, you know, first of all, you know, your New Year's resolution should be about the Lord and service to the Lord, not about, you know, your personal fitness goals or whatever, as worthy as those can be. But your your primary resolutions are focused on serving God and how can I use the time He's given me this year to serve Him. But it's she also focuses on small things, and both, you know, St. Francis and St. Jane de Chantal are really helpful on this score in a time like ours in which we are always told to do big things and make a big difference and blow up the world with our you know great achievements and all of that kind of stuff. They remind us over and over to focus, first of all, on the small moments of the day. You know, so when she says, he wants only what we can do, but that he does want. So by that, she's saying, you know, look at your daily life and do your best uh, and to serve him in those small ways. So she says something in here that, um, well, it got much more my attention when you, uh, I looked at your blog post of this and saw how much St. Francis de Sales talked about it, that idea of uh, beginning in the, na- the year in the name of the Lord. Uh, you know, it is funny that, you know, a secular society, you know, is and how they try and replace, you know, AD with, you know, CE, CE you know, right. these things. <laughs> yeah. uh, when did the common era start is my big question. It started the same exactly. time. Exactly. Right? It's the year of our Lord. That's what I, Anno yeah. Domini means. But it you also can't get away me, from it. Yeah. Yeah. But the, 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 the month of January is dedicated to the holy name of Jesus. Right. And there are right. no reasons for that among the fact that, uh, you know, Jesus is sort of christening well not christening right his uh his given his name is circumcision like all these things are kind of tied into those early days of his life and so when saint francis de sales talks about beginning the year in the name of the lord it kind of hits a little bit different it does and just you know listeners probably don't know that january 1st which we now celebrate as the feast of mary the mother of god used to be celebrated as the circumcision of jesus because of course it's eight days after christmas um, so that again, that adds another kind of element to this is that we start our year focused not on ourselves but on Jesus, and of course, in focusing on Jesus and on the Lord who created us and loved us and redeemed us, we're, we end up focusing on ourselves, but in the best way, in the in the healthiest way. And so, you know, Saint Francis, he in one of his um, essays on the end of the year, uh, or the beginning of the year, he says, Behold the year about to engulf itself in the abyss where all the others up to the present have been annihilated. Very vivid language there. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's a you know, it's strong reminder, and that's kind of the theme of this one, this essay, in that time goes on, right? And that you can't cling to it, and the past is the past, and what matters is eternity. That's what it's going to last. Yeah, because as we have seen already in this year, and I don't know how many other people are feeling, but I'm absolutely feeling it. Uh, like I blinked, the new year has started, and we're almost 
in the second month of it, it feels like. I know. Uh, you know, you can't hang on to things. Uh, you can't hang on to all that. All you got is right now. That's all you got. That's right. And if I have time to just say one more thing about the name of Jesus. Sure. Um, I love this the sweet way that he puts it. He says, let us attempt this. Let us pronounce the name as often as we can. But if as yet we can only say it stammering, at last we shall nevertheless be able to pronounce it well. That, yeah, you know, do your that. best. Yeah. Do your best. Well, thank you so much, Amy Wellborn. We've got her linked at Sunrise Morning Show. Dot com. Great advice from St. Francis de Sales. He's got uh, so many great books that you can read and so many great writings that are available, some of them for free. Introduction to the Devout Life, uh, Finding God's Will for You and Others, Nana Mitchell. Uh, us reading St. Francis de Sales' wisdom is great. Um, the I wisdom got my that the introduction people... to the Devout Life here with yeah. me. Lots of people experience the great wisdom uh, he gave at the time. Uh, but I, I'll never forget when I first went to the Seton Shrine, uh, the Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, and they were showing some of her books, finally putting them on display, and they had, like, was the one that they had that was, like, one of the most, like, dog-eared and loved. Yep. It was it was St. Francis to Sales' introduction to the about life. Saints read saints. Saints read saints. I mean, St. Francis de Sales was reading Augustine. Yeah, and you know? Bellarmine. And Bellarmine, yeah. So. Saints read saints, folks. There you go. So if you want to be a saint, it before, helps. P- the proximity effect. Before picking up, uh, I don't know, what's the popular fiction these days? Let's uh, read some saints today. Big Nate. Another full hour coming up. It's three minutes till. Continue on this Wednesday, the 24th of January, the Feast of St. Francis de Sales, by reading a uh, word of encouragement from him. And let's read it as a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be at peace. Do not look forward in fear to the changes of life. Rather, look to them with full hope as they arise. God, whose very own you are, will deliver you from out of them. He has kept you hitherto, and he will lead you safely through all things. And when you cannot stand it, God will bury you in his arms. Do not fear what may happen tomorrow. The same everlasting Father who cares for you today will take care of you then and every day. He will either shield you from suffering or give you unfailing strength to bear it. Be at peace and put aside all anxious thoughts and imagination. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Francis de Sales, pray for us. Speaking a word of encouragement into our crazy, crazy world. I put that thought from St. Francis de Sales, the, the text of it, in the show notes today, if you want to check those out at sunrisemorningshow.com. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has a video feed up and running. It's at sunrisemorningshow.com in those same show notes. And up this hour, Dina Dwyer Owens is going to talk about the beauty of silent retreats, uh, which is something that uh, sounds pretty good right now, if you ask me. Uh, Also this hour, uh, we're going to talk to Carlo Broussard from Catholic Answers. 
Uh, and, uh, oh, I lost my notes there. Um, Father Augustine Weta has another old monk story for us. Uh, it's a very quirky story today. And then on this Feast of St. Francis de Sales, a doctor of the church, Dr. Matthew Bunsen will be along to talk more about the life and legacy of Francis de Sales. So stay with us if you can. Two minutes past news of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Former President Trump is the winner of the Republican New Hampshire primary. He defeated former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley yesterday. Haley is not dropping out of the race for the White House, though. She told her supporters that the race for the nomination is far from over. Pundits say she needs a respectable finish in her native South Carolina next month to have any shot at the nomination. New New Hampshire also held a Democratic primary yesterday, but it was not recognized by the National Party. As the Israel-Hamas war now nears the four-month mark, Christians in Iraq are in the midst of a fast for peace in the Middle East. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tullock reports. The three-day fast held every year in the run-up to Lent is known by the ancient Syriac Christian communities in the Middle East as the Petition of the Ninevites. This year, most Syriac Christians are observing the fast from Monday the 22nd of January to Wednesday the 24th. Patriarch Louis Raphael Sacco, the head of Iraq's Chaldean Church, is calling on the faithful to offer up the fast to God for peace and stability in Iraq, the Holy Land, Ukraine and the world. The Patriarch, who was created a cardinal by Pope Francis in 2018, has called on believers to, quote, fervently pray to God Almighty to inspire world leaders to seek peace and not war, and to achieve fruitful progress towards reconciliation, fraternal relations, love and tolerance for the good of humanity, end quote. The so-called Nineveh fast marks the three days that the prophet Jonah spent in the belly of a whale. It's also a commemoration of the fasting in the city of Nineveh after its inhabitants had accepted Jonah's call to repentance. Many Syriac Christians abstain from all food and drink from midnight to noon on each of the three days. Others avoid meat or animal products for the entirety of the period, or do not eat at all. This is not the first time that Patriarch Sacco has led prayers for peace in the Middle East. In October, during the General Assembly of the Synod on Synodality, the Patriarch led a peace prayer in St. Peter's Basilica in the Vatican. Together with Sister Caroline Jargis, a nun from Baghdad, the Patriarch prayed the rosary in Aramaic, the language of Jesus, once spoken throughout the entire Middle East. The new year has brought with it renewed struggles for Iraq's Christians. Patriarch Sacco hopes that these days of prayer, fasting and repentance might offer his community the beginnings of a way out. I'm Joseph Tullock. The Pentagon says strikes against the Houthis in Yemen were successful. The U.S. and U.K. militaries carried them out Monday, according to defense officials. National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby said the strikes were an attempt to stop Houthis from their attacks on ships in the Red Sea. A Russian military plane carrying at least 74 people has crashed north of the Ukrainian border. Russia's Ministry of Defense says the aircraft was carrying 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war who were part of an exchange when the plane went down. Russian news reports say that nine other people were also on board, including six crew members. This coming after a wave of airstrikes yesterday in Ukraine in which 18 people have died and more than 130 were wounded. The attacks targeted more than 200 sites in Ukraine's capital, Kyiv, and the second largest city, Kharkiv, Nearly 140 Ukrainian homes were hit. 
The Turkish parliament is approving Sweden's bid to join NATO. Mark Mayfield reports. On Tuesday, the parliament voted to approve Sweden's accession, making Hungary the only country that has yet to accept Sweden into the alliance. Officials with the Swedish prime minister's office said they were very happy with the decision that brought them one step closer to becoming a full member of NATO. Some members of Hungary's parliament have accused Sweden of lying about the current state of Hungarian democracy. The prime minister of Hungary has reached out to Sweden's PM to discuss possible ratification. I'm Mark Mayfield. And the National Baseball Hall of Fame is announcing the inductees of its 2024 class. Those being inducted include third baseman Adrian Beltre, catcher Joe Maurer, and first baseman Todd Helton. The induction ceremony takes place July 21st in Cooperstown. So uh, congratulations, Todd, Mm -hmm. Joe, Adrian, Mm -hmm. all of you all. I think I have a hint of what hat Todd Helton's going to go in. What do you think? Colorado Rockies. Yeah, because that's the only team that's, he played for. I think he's the only for. team he ever played for. Uh, Joe Maurer did, uh, only Joe ever Maurer played for the Minnesota Twins. Only played for Twins. the Twins, right? Yeah. Beltre will be interesting. So 21 seasons. Dodgers, Mariners, Red Sox, Rangers. I think he's going in a Texas Rangers hat. You think so? I think. Unless Paul's going to argue with me in okay, my ear. Okay, I'm going to just back in my single days... Oh, wasn't he on the cover of a Theology of the Body the magazine at one point? It, like, single and Catholic. <laughs> Joe Maurer, single and Catholic and in the whole, I don't think. I really, really, really tried to get him on the morning show back anymore. in those days. Back in those days. Yeah. Joe Maurer. I don't know if he's single or not. I mean, I don't know. I haven't. He had that, that I guess, career-ending injury, and then yeah, I just never saw anything about him after still, that. Still one of the great twins of all time. Of you course. You can't, I mean. You're talking like so good. Kirby Puckett, Burt Bylove, and mm-hmm. yep. Joe Maurer. For sure. Congrats to all of them. It's eight minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dina Dwyer Owens. And you may know her as former co-chair and CEO of Neighborly. She is an author and a speaker. She's got the Create Your Culture and Your Better Future workbooks at dinadwyerowens.com. Dina, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So I understand you just recently went on a silent treat, and if you'll pardon the pun, a silent retreat sounds really good right now. (laughs) They are wonderful. And, you know, we, we do, my husband and I do this Advent silent retreat every year together. And he never has a problem agreeing to go to those, Matt. I wonder why. I'm like his wife's quiet for at least three hours. <laughs> <laughs> but he he does love it. It's just one of those things, <clears throat> individually and as a couple, that just brings us closer to God, closer to each other, and gives us great clarity. Well, I'm glad you put clarity in the mix, uh, because... There, there are a bunch of different ways that different people struggle with this. If someone's like a really sort of needs to be productive all the time, needs to be doing something uh, all the time, uh, there's that kind of issue. Like you're just going so fast that you never stop to think about what it is that you're going and doing. Uh, but there's other other ways that people fall into this too, right? You know, I'm over at some people's houses and I feel like they've turned on cable news at five o'clock when they woke up in the morning and the TV has been on in the background all day long, right? And it's hard to get clarity when all those things are going on around you. Like what, how does it feel different to you 
when you get into that silent space. What is amazing about it, and a lot of people probably would never even realize this, is when you're quiet with God, I feel more alive. It's just it's just this wonderful. It's it's better than any vacation I've taken, uh, Matt. So I would I would encourage listeners to think about it. If you think they need a good vacation right now, plan a silent retreat, even if that's just in a local church or you know like going to a, a church and sitting for half a day, being quiet and adoring our Lord. It is absolutely a chill out experience. That's the best so, way to describe it. It's just peaceful. And you get clarity. And, and I walk away feeling more alive and, and, and just more focused on what's most important in life. And I quit running around feeling like I have to achieve, 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 achieve. When you said that, Matt, I thought, hmm, kind of sounds like maybe Matt and I. There's a lot of things I'm we want to get you. done. But we most of my segments are directed at myself. I don't know if you know this, <laughs> Dina. But, uh, but you mentioned it's uh, <laughs> better than any uh, you know vacation you've taken. It's also cheaper than most vacations you could possibly take. <laughs> right? There is Especially, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, the ones I used to go to um, every once in a while uh, when I lived closer to it uh, were at the Abbey of Gethsemane, um, which is a Trappist monastery in Kentucky, and it is kind of wild. And what's interesting is that those monks— they pray for a living, but they also happen to make fudge and cheese and a few other things. And the way that the day is structured in those silent retreats, uh, you know, if I'm working on a project, I'll work through lunch if I'm not careful. Uh, the monks, though, when the bell rings, they're like, okay, done working for now. It's time to pray, <laughs> right? Just the ability to shift those gears. You mentioned that you've you've come up with some of your 2024 goals uh as a result of, of this clarity. But for me, like that's one of my goals this year is just to be able to say, all right, here's the time I'm going to work on this. Here's the time I'm going to relax. Here's the time I'm going to you know do these things and have my whole focus on one thing at a time instead of 15 things simultaneously. Boy, and that's a battle, isn't it? Especially given everything we've got going on around us. And you're just a, an overachiever, <laughs> which, which is good in many ways. But I think when you slow yourself down and realize I can cut this off, that's still going to be there when I'm done having this quiet time with God, and you're going to come back stronger, more creative. You're going to have greater clarity. And and what I found, too, is that I'm so much more focused at Mass, really hmm. present in what's happening around us. And I don't know. I can't, I can't say this about anybody else but myself, but there are many times that I'm sitting in Mass, daily Mass especially. I'm sitting outside of St. Mary's Church right now getting ready to go to daily Mass. And I'm distracted about all the things that I want to get done today. And are those more important than God? Absolutely not. And are they still going to be there when I get out of the Mass at 8, you know, 30 minutes later? Of course they are. So this year, you know, it's just, just become very clear to me. I, I'm i very much a goal setter. And for years I've taught that class, Design Your Life, which is helping people um, live by design, not by default. And, what you know, hearing what, what is God's plan for your life, and it's just become so clear to me that the most important thing I can do this year as a target or a goal, whatever you might call it, is to make a commitment to have that silent time. We should have it daily, and I typically do that in the mornings, even if it's only a half an hour, but once a month, go away for a day. And a lot of people I know can't afford to do that because they're raising young children or whatever might be going on in their life, caregiving for an elderly parent. I'm at a place where I can carve out that one day, and I think everybody can carve out at least a couple of hours a month to have quiet time. That might mean getting up a little earlier. 
that might mean staying up a little later and not watching and binging something on TV that you enjoy, but instead being quiet with God. So that is that is my commitment for 2024, is to... to build my relationship with Jesus by being quiet at least one day a month, and every quarter I'm taking a silent retreat. So literally going somewhere, and I'm fortunate, again, I've got Cedar Break Silent Retreat Center or Retreat Center close by, uh, less than an hour away, and they offer silent retreats. You can do them by yourself, or you can join a group, um, whether it's a Lenten retreat or an Advent retreat. So that is what I'm doing in 2024, and I know all the other things in life that are most important for me to accomplish will happen as a result of getting that kind of focus and clarity. Is it okay if I put you on the spot for a moment? Go right ahead. All right. I'm going to go first, though. Uh, okay. I'll tell you one thing that is a threat to my silence that i got to be on guard for. Uh, and uh, I want to know one thing that's a threat to you that you know you've got to be consciously on guard for. Uh, for me, when I wake up, my easiest first move is to lean over grab my phone and see what my notifications were since I went to bed. And I have to say, nope, that's not going to be the first thing that I do. I'm going to do a few other things and then I'll look. Uh, if I don't guard up against that, then I wake up and my first thought is everything that's grabbing my attention while I was asleep. What's one thing that you got to guard against that you've been trying to be more conscious and practical about? I wouldn't say notifications, but I would say emails for 15 years, Matt. I've been battling with this. It's kind of like going to confession, confessing the, confessing the same sins every time you go. For 15 years, it's been on my goals list each year is to not do my emails first thing in the morning. And I'm proud to say that I am a, at a place, unless there's a, um, a unique situation going on that requires my quick attention, which is rare, that it's more important than me being quiet with God. Actually, it's never more important than me being quiet with God, but I have gotten to a place now. I didn't even look at emails. I mean, I haven't looked at emails in the morning for probably a year now. Oh, wow. So I've consistently gotten up. It's my prayer time. It's my time to visit with my husband while we're having breakfast before our day begins. And I, I strive to do daily Mass every morning, the first thing in the morning, which is also that quiet place. And then when I'm done with that is when I say, okay, now it's all right to look at emails. And my, my family and my friends and the people that I work with know that. So if they really need something from me, they'll text me. So I they will say, wait don't wait you've gotten some coffee in you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, I, well, I, don't, and I, I don't drink caffeinated coffee because I don't need it. People would go crazy go. if they had me on caffeine. <clears throat> but I will look at my text messages usually first thing in the morning, which is usually very few overnight because typically it might have to do with my mother and a caregiver needing something or one of my siblings needing something. If our listeners want to connect with you, Dina, how do they do so? It's simple, Matt, dinadwyerowens.com, and you mentioned your better future. If people can't seem to just come up with one specific target they're going to work on this year, that's a great one-page worksheet that will help them get clarity about each of the most important areas of their lives and what's the one thing you just need to get better at. Awesome. Dina, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Matt. Keep up the God work. Again, Dina linked at sunrisemorningshow.com in the show notes. Back after this, it's 17 past. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. 
Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Catechism in a Year with me, Father Mike Schmitz, is now available right here on Catholic Radio. Encounter God's plan of sheer goodness for us, revealed in Scripture and passed down through the tradition of the Catholic faith as we journey together toward our heavenly home. Bible in a Year and Catechism in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz, tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on EWTN Radio. 19 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Former President Trump is the winner of the New Hampshire primary. As the Israel-Hamas war nears the four-month mark, Christians in Iraq are in the midst of a fast for peace in the Middle East. And Pope Francis has written the preface for the first of a series of short books on prayer ahead of the 2025 Jubilee. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And uh, Anna Mitchell just want to remind people that in those show notes, if they subscribe, they can come to their their uh, inbox daily. And uh, I do encourage you, if you miss the top of the hour, uh, this is a great, encouraging uh, quote from St. Francis de Sales that I used. It wasn't technically a prayer, um, but it was kind of this this sort of His word of encouragement. His prayerful Yes. Uh, I, I love this last line of it. Um, where he says, God will either shield you from suffering or give you unfailing strength to bear it. Mm. Uh, and that's uh, that's my prayer for everybody this morning. It's my prayer for myself, right? To either shield me from suffering or give me the strength to bear it. Amen. So that's just Love one it. of many good things that St. Francis de Sales has to say about the spiritual life. Again, uh, you can find more about him in the show notes. St. Francis, pray for us. Subscribe to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes. When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me. 
Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. This is Father Rob Jack with a Marian Thought. One of the many titles given to Mary is Gate of Heaven. This image applies to Mary in two ways. In God's divine plan, he chose a lowly maiden from Nazareth to be the portal through which the Son of God comes into the world. At the same time, Mary is the gateway that leads to life with her Son. It is true that there are many ways to Christ, but as Catholics we believe the surest way is through Mary. She is not only the gate, but the gatekeeper. She intercedes for us to her Son, that we may enter heavenly life with him. Bishop Sheen understood this image well when he wrote that when he died, the words he hoped to hear from Jesus were these, My mother has spoken well of you. As we approach the Lord, let us ask Mary to speak well of us, so that with her help we may share in God's glory. Mary, gate of heaven, pray for us. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on this feast of St. Francis de Sales. Pray for us. Carlo Broussard is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's an apologist with Catholic Answers. You can catch him online at carlobroussard.com. Listen to his Sunday Catholic Word podcast at mrsundaypodcast.com and invite him to speak through catholicanswersspeakers.com. Carlo, welcome back. Anna, thanks for having me back. Good morning to you. It is good to have you back. And we're continuing our way through your book, The New Relativism from Catholic Answers Press. And we've been talking about the relativism implicit in uh, the modern secular command, thou shalt not guilt. Basically, you know, saying you are perpetrating violence against me for making me feel bad about the morality of my behavior. And this word feel is is important here. I don't want to diminish people's feelings because right. we do need to be sensitive to the real struggles that, that people deal with. And, and we're going to get to that point in just a moment. But we do need to be clear, right, that moral truth is not beholden to anyone's feelings. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's behind that sort of response or claim is this idea that life is all about feelings management, and that's the purpose of life, Mm -hmm. to foster positive feelings within my life alone, such that if I do not have positive feelings and you cause me to lack positive feelings, then you're somehow attacking me. Uh, as a person and my happiness. Uh, Philosopher Michael Gordon from Catholic University of America has some great stuff on feelings management. But I think it's important for us to recognize that life is not about feelings management. I mean, in some sense, yes, we want to try and foster good feelings and positive feelings, but not at the expense of truth, that is, what is real, not only about reality in general, but also truth about human behavior, as you just brought up, Anna. Life, the purpose of life is for us to know truth and to live in accord with it. And so it's about managing our pursuit of truth, especially the truth about ourselves as human beings, and to live life in accord with that truth when we find it. 
And discovering that truth, Anna, might not give us pleasant feelings at first, but given that we're made for truth, we know that it's the only thing in the long run that will make us truly happy. And so, yes, whenever we critique a lifestyle choice and say, hey, that's not good for us as human beings, or we say that belief that you have about reality, that's false, we recognize it might not cause positive feelings and it might get them irks, irk, irk them a little bit. But we have to realize, listen, we're not doing this simply for the sake of guilting you and offending you and making you have unpleasant feelings. That's not the end. That's not the goal. Mm-hmm. The goal of sharing the truth is so that person can flourish as a human being because they're made for the truth. And rather than an expression of ill will, that's an expression of goodwill. In other words, that's what it means to love someone, to yeah. will what's good for them and help them achieve it. Yeah. I mean, my four-year-old tells me I hurt his feelings all the time when I tell him that he can't <laughs> like body tackle his baby sister whenever he wants. And uh, yeah. I have to say, look, man, this is good for you and her in the long run. Like this is this is going to be better for your relationship if you if you don't harm your baby sister. Yeah. And, you know, and this is a problem within our culture, as I point out in my book. In 2020, uh, the Cato Institute did a a study where they found that 62% of Americans say they won't share their beliefs because they fear that others might find them offensive. Oh, boy. And therein you find this modern moral imperative, thou shalt not guilt. We don't want it. We can't offend anybody. And that is being taken to such an extreme that we're neglecting sharing the truth and sharing what we believe to be true. Yeah. And so with that, all of that in mind, what is your your alternative command? Right. Well, you could say the alternative command is thou shalt guilt, <laughs> but with a proper understanding. Right. What that and means. The, yeah. Right. That the meaning behind that would be thou shalt care. You might mm. translate that into thou shalt care. And as I said a while ago, we you know, whenever we offer a criticism of some belief or lifestyle choice, it's not to make the person feel guilty for the sake of feeling guilty. That would be cruel, right? But what it does involve is offering these criticisms so that the person, again, will come to realize, hey, I'm not conforming to reality in my mind, and I'm not living in accord with reality, so let me reform my ways. And as human beings, as rational animals, we're made for the truth, and we can only flourish in the truth. And so by exposing false beliefs and exposing immoral behaviors, we're inviting that person to conform their mind and their lifestyle to what is true about them as a human being. And think about this, Anna. If we're made for that truth, and if I just shrug my shoulders and just let that person be in and don't impose my beliefs or lifestyle choices mm-hmm. upon them by trying to persuade them, well, then what would that show? That would show a lack of love. That would be saying, hey, I don't care that you don't believe what is true. I don't care that you're not living in accord with reality. But that wouldn't be an expression of love. So we should guilt in the sense of offering to criticism for the sake of expressing our care, hoping that they will conform their mind and their lives to what is real, true, good and beautiful. Absolutely. Because what if they do conform their minds to the truth and then they look back at those people that didn't tell them what the truth was and they think, well, maybe I could have come around to the truth a lot sooner if somebody else had been uh had the courage to tell me that so it's all it's all 
thought-provoking for sure. And you can read more about it in Carlo's book, The New Relativism, from Catholic Answers Press. You can find Carlo linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Carlo, thank you. Thank you, Anna. Have a great day. You too, Carlo. Thanks. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Former President Donald Trump is the winner of the Republican New Hampshire primary. Trump defeated former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley yesterday. Haley has said she is not dropping out of the race for the White House after losing the primary. She told her reporters, her supporters, she told her supporters the race for the nomination is far from over. But pundits say she needs at least a respectable finish in her native South Carolina next month to have any shot at the nomination at this point. New Hampshire also held a Democratic primary yesterday, but it was not recognized by the National Party. The Israel-Hamas war continues as the four-month mark draws near. Mark Mayfield reports. Israeli officials said Monday was the deadliest day for the country's military in Gaza, with two dozen soldiers being killed. This comes as Israel pushes for a two-month pause in fighting in exchange for the remaining hostages being held by Hamas. Meanwhile, Palestinian health officials say more than 25,400 people have been killed in Gaza since the start of the war. The United Nations has warned that over a half a million people are under the threat of catastrophic hunger in Gaza. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Pentagon says strikes against the Houthi in Yemen were successful. The U.S. and U.K. militaries carried them out on Monday, according to defense officials. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said the strikes were an attempt to stop Houthi from their attacks on ships in the Red Sea. A Russian military plane carrying at least 74 people has crashed north of the Ukrainian border. Russia's Ministry of Defense says that aircraft was carrying 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war who were part of an exchange when the plane went down. Russian news reports say that nine other people were also on board, including six crew members. This coming after a wave of airstrikes yesterday in Ukraine in which 18 people died and more than 130 were wounded. The attacks targeted more than 200 sites in Kyiv and Kharkiv. Nearly 140 Ukrainian homes were hit. Pope Francis has written the preface for the first in a series of short books on prayer that the Vatican will be releasing in this year of prayer ahead of the 2025 Jubilee. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Prayer is the breath of faith. It is its most proper expression, writes Pope Francis, as he introduces Cardinal Angelo Comastri's new book, Praying Today, A Challenge to Be Overcome. It is not easy to find words to express the mystery of prayer. It can only ever be described in the simplicity of those who live it. The ordinary jubilee of 2025 is just around the corner, continues the Pope in his preface, noting that the best way to prepare for the year is in fact through prayer. Nowadays, the need for a true spirituality is becoming stronger and stronger, says the Pope, highlighting some of the scenarios that make our world somewhat less serene, such as wars and the climate crisis. Pope Francis then highlights the importance of each initiative of every church. This year should not undermine pastoral initiatives, but rather it should recall the foundation on which the various pastoral plans should develop and find consistency. It is a time in which both personally and as a community, one can rediscover the joy of praying in the variety of forms and expressions it comes in, writes the Pope. The Holy Father's next invitation is one to humility, making room for the prayer that flows from the Holy Spirit, as it is He who knows how to put the right words in our hearts and on our lips to be heard by the Father. 
As his preface comes to an end, Pope Francis prays for bishops, priests, deacons and catechists, assuring them of his certainty that they will find in this year the most suitable ways to place prayer at the basis of the proclamation of hope that the Jubilee 2025 intends to make resound in this troubled time. Finally, Pope Francis extends his invitation to all, praying that personal and community prayer become unceasing, without interruption, according to the will of the Lord Jesus, so that the kingdom of God may spread and the gospel reach every person who asks for love and forgiveness. I am Francesca Merlo. Funeral arrangements are pending as the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau mourns the death of their shepherd. Bishop Mario Dorsonville died Friday due to ongoing health complications related to liver disease, which was discovered late last year. He was 62 years old. The College of Consultors in the Diocese was set to meet this week to discuss funeral plans and to choose a diocesan administrator. The diocese says the mass of Christian burial will likely take place at the end of the month. That's the news. It's 35 past the... If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. What does the church say about angels? The Catechism of the Catholic Church defines angels as spiritual, personal, and immortal creatures with intelligence and free will, who glorify God without ceasing, and who serve God as messengers of His saving plan. Because angels have free will, we also have Satan, who chose to reject God and His plan. When we hear of angels, most of us probably think of our guardian angels, whose role is to watch over us and guide us to good thoughts, words, and actions, and to preserve us from evil. The word angel comes from the Greek word angelos, meaning messenger. Scripture tells us of many times when God sent an angel, such as the time when an angel was sent to hold back the hand of Abraham, or to bring his message to Mary or give a warning to Joseph, or to minister to Jesus. The doctrine of angels is part of the church's tradition. Since the 17th century, the church has celebrated a feast honoring them in October throughout the Universal Church. For more information, contact your local pastor, or refer to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraphs 328 through 336. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Deacon Bill Mullaney. The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and I have a lot of fun going through the book Pray, Think, Act, Make Better Decisions with the Desert Fathers with Father Augustine Weta, who compiled a bunch of great stories from old monks as part of this project. Father Augustine, good morning. Good morning from balmy St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs> Yeah, glad to have you along. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's finally exceeded six degrees out <laughs> here. So it's a little more like the desert than uh, it was last week. Like the Siberian desert, so there you go. Yeah. 
Well, we've got a weird story this morning. Uh, And when I say weird, I mean it's a weird story uh, about Father Olympias of the Cells and his clay family. (laughs) I wonder if you could share that with us. I've often often thought I should have taken Olympias as my religious name. Uh, I mean, I like Augustine, but a Father Olympias would have been really... uh, that inspires a little bit of students. something. <laughs> I picture him like eight feet tall and muscly. <laughs> bang. Um, yeah, so Abba Olympias of the Cells <laughs> was tempted to leave his monastery. So, oh, how I long to be married, he said to himself. Then, as though speaking to another, he replied, Very well, let's give it a try. <laughs> He went outside his cell, made himself a wife out of clay, and said, Olympias, you are working for two now. Be sure you work twice as hard. Well, the next morning, he made a child out of clay and said, Look at that. Now you have a child to care for. Be sure you work a little harder to cover those expenses. Uh, And make three times as much food while you're at it. That night, he woke himself up at odd hours, saying, Your child is sick, and your child just had a bad dream. The next day, he made a second child, and so after a few days, he cured himself of the temptation. (laughs) (laughs) So some people might say, what in the world is the lesson of this? But it sounds something uh, like, to me, of a principle that I've heard uh, from the cognitive behavioral therapy community, which is if you are trying to figure out a decision— uh, and a discernment, play the tape forward. Like, think, what will yeah. happen if I do X? And think through maybe, you know, you can't imagine every possibility of every circumstance, but you can get a general idea of what sorts of things are going to result from certain kinds of actions, right? That's right. And I, initially I was worried about this story because it seems to imply that children are terrible Or burdens. marriage is bad or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Right? Um, but And they aren't, of course, but when you're in the monastery, you see marriage in this idealized light, right? Um, I, 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 I was talking to a parish priest just the other day who said, every priest I know wants to be a monk, every monk I know wants to be married, and every married man I know wants to be a priest. So <laughs> it's like you look over the wall and you see how great they have it, Um and and sometimes, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. Uh, but most of the time that comes with suffering as well. We have an old monk who says, um, you're going to carry a cross. The question is just where you're going to carry it. If you, try, if you run from your cross, it'll just follow you. Um, but the thing about Olympias is that he speaks to himself as though he's speaking to another person. And I think that's kind of the lesson as far as decision-making goes. Not just that the grass isn't always greener on the other side, but that you really have to sort of say these questions out loud to yourself. You have to have a kind of a real conversation with yourself because ideas sound really good in your head, that don't sound good when you say them out loud, right? I mean, if it, it, it's a very attractive thing to play video games all night, but if you stop and say out loud to yourself, would I rather play video games or do my homework? 
well, it's pretty obvious what the alternative is, or, or, um, or, 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 you know, I think you should skip your homework and play video games, or better yet, like, let's write an angry email to my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> when you say it out, you know, it, it, it's a really great idea while you're writing it. When you say it out loud, you go, "Oh no, you don't." That's Not a, a good terrible idea. idea. <laughs> 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 well, it's, it strikes me that this is also kind of a hint at why the sacrament of confession, why you know the Lord has, you know, set oh. things up the way that it, He has, is because it's one thing for me to be like, yeah, it was a bad idea. It's another thing for me to, for me to tell a priest in confession, I did a terrible thing, right? <laughs> you know what I mean, There's, brilliant. It's, it's, I wish I wish we'd done this before I published the book. You're absolutely right. That is the whole idea behind confession. That it's a completely well, not a com- yeah, no, it really is a completely different experience when it's physical, when it's outside of your mind, you know. And I'm fond of saying that Christianity is not a religion of the book, as people say. We're a religion of sacrament. We've got to do things. And yeah, I think part of the, the wisdom of Olympias' approach is that he actually goes out and makes a statue to represent her. You know, he doesn't just sort of imagine, you know, let his imagination go. He, he sticks to what's physical and standing in front of him, even if it's just a mud <laughs> statue of a woman. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, too, because, I mean, I know you deal with this in the high school because I was a high schooler, right, that you have all these uh, <laughs> kind of, like, misdirected angsts and fears and worries and you sometimes you can't oh, even yeah. attach them to anything you just have sort of like a there's like a just an existential brew going on inside of you and sometimes <laughs> it's, you just gotta you gotta name those things and identify like what's what's eating you just so you can mm-hmm. have a name for what to pray for right right and it's always easier to break something down than to build it up um and and, and when you actually have to name what you're breaking down or better yet, name a replacement. Um, things begin to take on a different tone. I, wasn't it Chesterton who said, "Don't tear down a wall unless you know what's on the other side," or, or something like that? Or, or don't, uh, yeah, don't tear down a wall unless you know what it's protecting you from. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And you know, it it is sort of our tendency to. To, to lash out and 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 want to do something rash because of our dissatisfaction, but maybe, uh, the well maybe the the thing that we're dissatisfied about here is still a million times better than the thing we'd be go going to chase. Right, right. Well, or, or maybe it isn't, but you'd better at least give it a trial run first, you know. I don't yeah. mean go live with a woman for a while beforehand, but... <laughs> no, that is <laughs> not least... the kind of advice we give on this radio show. Just, you <laughs> no, know. no, no. But at least think about, you know, the 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 things you're going to have to give up, you know, the, the darker angles and, and the more troublesome crosses you're going to have to carry, right? Yeah, the play the tape forward. It's a it's an important principle. and uh, Play the tape forward, yeah. Yeah, Let's see, see what, Abba, what happened. Who is it? Um, Abba Matt of the radio once said, <laughs> play the tape forward. 
<laughs> yeah, they didn't have tapes in the Desert Fathers. I mean, that's a, that's a thing. So, uh, uh, but the the book well, is called we'll Pray Think Urban Act. Fathers. There you go, the Urban Fathers. Uh, Pray Think Act. Make better decisions with the Desert Fathers or the Urban Fathers. But let's stick with the Desert Fathers <laughs> for this series. Father Augustine Weta, thank you as always. Have a great day. God bless you. All right, we're back after this. It's fourteen till. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most forgotten people. With our founders and Daniel Comboni as an inspiration, we work for the full development of the human person through evangelization, education, and advocacy. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. You know, we talk story with each of our very unique guests for the whole hour so that you can go deep with us as you yourself pursue your own story of heroic virtue and as you pursue intimacy with God. The Bear Wozniak Adventure, Saturday night, 6 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Later today on Catholic Answers Live, give us a call. Get your questions answered about the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's Wednesday, the 24th of January. Here's Anna with headlines. Former President Trump is the winner of the Republican New Hampshire primary that took place yesterday. But Nikki Haley, the challenger, is not dropping out. As the Israel-Hamas war nears the four-month mark, Christians in Iraq are in the midst of a fast for peace in the Middle East. And Pope Francis has written the preface for the first in a series of short books from the Vatican that will be released in this year of prayer ahead of the 2025 Jubilee. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 11 till. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Matthew Bunsen, Vice President and Editorial Director of EWTN News, creator of the EWTN Doctors of the Church series. Good morning, Dr. Bunsen. Good morning. Great to be with you. So today we are talking about St. Francis de Sales, a bishop and doctor of the church, which was not exactly the gig that his family wanted for him. Can you talk about his path to the priesthood? 
Yes, exactly. Uh, he was born into a, a very prominent family, a noble family in the Duchy of Savoy in, in what is today part of France, but the Savoy at the time also extended into Switzerland and Italy. It was a massive territory. His father, uh, François de Sales, Lord of Sales, um, was, uh, as I was saying, one of the most powerful people in the region. Uh, his mother was also of noble birth, and they really had grand designs for their son, especially because of the immense talent that their son displayed. He was not just given some of the best schools possible and every opportunity in the world, but he seemed destined truly to be on a path to fulfill them, to take the family uh, into even greater heights. Francis, however, um, Let's just say that God set him on a different path, and it was one of prayer. It was one of the love of the faith, but uh, Francis certainly had some uh, difficulties uh, getting there first. Yeah, I find it so interesting that he was reading St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas and then goes into a crisis of faith, correct? Oh, that's right. Let's remember that this is uh, the era of uh, the Protestant Revolt, the Protestant Reformation. So as he was studying in Paris, uh, there was a lot of discussion about things like predestination, you know, paging Jean Calvin, for example. And he became convinced somehow that he was going to, to hell, that the day would come inevitably, that uh, he was doomed. And some fell into that utter despair and never got out of it. In his case, however... He went to a church. He visited uh, St. Etienne de Grey in Paris, and there, before a statue of Our Lady of Good Deliverance, he prayed the Memorare. Then he also remembered something from John's first epistle, Deus Caritas, as God is love. And he realized that because God is love, that he was loved, and that he had to love and that was his path forward. And you can begin to see, even in this moment, uh, the importance of a couple things in his life. The first was a prayer of surrendering yourself to God's will in your life, but then also recognizing that you have to do everything out of love. And that was his path forward, and ultimately uh, he went home, and much to the disappointment of uh, his family, especially his father, uh, he informed them that he planned to become a priest. Well, God is love. That being, knowing that must have been very important to him being sent basically to the belly of the beast as Bishop of Geneva. That's right. And so he was assigned immediately uh, because of his talent uh, to an area around uh, Geneva, which when he became eventually uh, the Bishop of Geneva, you're absolutely right. It was occupied territory. Uh, the Catholic Church had largely been exterminated in the city by the, the Calvinists, so he actually had to take up residence about 20 miles away in honesty. He began to preach, however. He did this uh, as a kind of missionary priest and then ultimately as bishop. And the whole region of what was called the Chablais uh, was another Protestant stronghold. And one by one, he was ignored. He was spat upon. He was threatened with violence, but he kept going. He kept preaching. And then one of the reasons that Francis de Sales is the patron saint of the Catholic press, of uh, Catholic social communications, is because he found ways to reach people's hearts that really were quite brilliant. He created little post-it notes of sorts, of little placards, little notes, and he would, if the door wouldn't open to him, he slid it under the door. 
and people read these things, and they were so beautifully written. But then he also found small little groups of Catholics whom he had converted, who themselves were willing to take the risk to say, you know, you should really talk to this bishop of Geneva. It reached the point where he was such a threat to the Calvinists in Geneva that they hired assassins to kill him. And all Francis did when he encountered them was convert them to Catholicism. (laughs) That's incredible. I mean, we can't talk about... St. Francis de Sales without talking about his introduction to the devout life, just such an important book in the history of Christendom, really. Well, that's right. Uh, the introduction to the devout life for Philosophia, the love of philosophy, uh, the, the love of God, was one of those great works in the history of the Church, as you say, but it has particular value to us today because he writes so clearly, in an anticipation of the Second Vatican Council, universal call to holiness. There's a simple quote that uh, really cuts to the heart of this. As he says, it is an error, or rather a heresy, to wish to banish the devout life from the regiment of soldiers, the mechanic shop, the court of princes, or the home of married people. Wherever we may be, we can and should aspire to the perfect life. In other words, all of us are called to holiness. It was in some ways a slightly controversial book at the time, in part because there were some theologians who felt, no, this is ridiculous. You, you cannot simply reduce uh, holiness to the average person's life. But one of the other points that they made, and I think, Annie, you'll appreciate this especially, that people complained because he's saying, yes, there is place in your life for laughing and dancing. No. I do love that. I mean, that is exactly it. Like, our Catholic faith is meant to touch every single aspect of our lives. There is no reason that our faith should make us curmudgeons. Exactly. And and it's why it was such a perfect antidote to the sort of grim Calvinism of the era, Mm. but also why that the philosophia, love of God— we put the love of God and God's love at the heart of what we do, and it, and it informs everything we do. But all of us, regardless of our, our place in life, regardless of what we do, we are called to be saints, and we are called to help other people to become saints. And he understood that by doing that, we could truly transform the world, and, and he certainly transformed the world around it. He most definitely did. St. Francis de Sales pray for us. We've been talking to Dr. Matthew Bunsen from EWTN, which you can find linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Always love talking to Dr. Bunsen about the saints, particularly when they are the doctors of the church. And, you know, I think it's four doctors of the church in the month of January. January 2nd, today, January 24th. There are two on January 2nd, today, January 24th, and then January 28th with the Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas. Anyway, that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. We'll talk to you tomorrow, EWTN. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.